certainly not bring uh-huh. up current events in, in, in light of uh, these latest Supreme Court rulings. But, you know, uh, the America is abuzz about the uh, different Supreme Court rulings. And uh, did I lose you? It adopted through the the you're cu- the you're cutting you're cutting on and off. Yeah, it may not have been cutting on and off. I probably was pausing oh. too long, but. Oh. Um, you know, whether it's the, the Roe v. Wade or whether it's the, the EPA's overreach and, you know, that was created in the late seventies into the eighties, how it is to, to dangers of global warming, environmental crisis, and so forth. And, you know, it's it's astounding to me to have people be so euphoric about the decisions. And I guess, you know, forgive me for not being as euphoric, but does does the vast majority of Americans actually recognize that these are actually tools that have been used and, um, or do they just feel like this burden is lifted from them? And so it's, um, it's a new day or a new dawn. The people are trying to It's cutting in and out. On and on. Yeah, you were just cutting out there. Well, then I guess we have our answer on that again now, don't we? This is uh, this has been an ongoing problem for us. Well, it worked good last week, but I don't know. Um, I mean, we had that little system just roll through here, but that was nothing. I can't imagine that it's even impacting anything at all right now. Well, I wish we'd get a system. We've gone a long time without rain here. Like almost a year of any substance of rain. And (laughs) at Cindy's parents' house in New Braunfels, Texas, they're... they're, uh, they're uh, rationing water. We're out here in the desert, full steam ahead. <laughs> they're uh, they're more woke over there where she's from. Uh huh. They got water like you wouldn't believe. You know, but the Californians have moved in there. Yeah, it's strange to me. I don't uh, I don't quite see. Um what exactly the in the intended outcome of of these decisions 
yes. Does it give us some potential relief and some reprieve from overreaching bureaucrats? Um, well, that all remains to be seen because the infrastructure is already so entrenched and in place. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about it. Uh, I didn't get to hear what you said. These local communities driving the state communities and the state communities driving the federal and and that's quite a process so um i'm not sure that uh, that that it's time for euphoria yeah but we find that on our side all the time is that you know there's a few wins and it's meaningful because we get so few of them mm -hmm. And the whole scheme you're just cutting in and out. Yeah, I think it's right. a little little much. All I don't right, well, know why. I'm gonna go ahead and dial it up on the phone. Here I think it's that laptop, phone. maybe I'm starting to wonder because um this says it hasn't had a connection worse than seventy-eight. Um this thing right you're on now what's that Caller. i wonder if it has anything to do with the, with the wireless aspect of that of that headset can everybody hear me all right? Uh, I can right now. All right. Yeah, do you um, need a Bluetooth? Well, I don't have to have it. I can, if it doesn't sound terrible on the speaker, but I am on the speaker. Bluetooth so. sounds better, but um, it, it's up it to you. It sounds great. All right, well. Um, that Bluetooth's been cutting out, so I'm just gonna leave it like this, I think, Jeremiah. We'll get something else figured out then in the upcoming weeks again. So, well, we're still working on stuff, but <clears throat> it's uh, it's all good. We're moving ahead, trying to get our technology worked out to where it's a little better. And uh, we finally got an Internet connection that we think is going to work now for us better to be on the computer. But uh -huh. um it's still not the best, and so it well, is what let it me, is. Let me, allow me to say a prayer right quick, if you would. All right, let's do it. God, we want, we want to be loyal servants. We want to do what you want us to do, Father. I pray that you take your spirit, your force, your ways, and inject them into Doug and and let it come out of his mouth just the way you want it. 
so that it might reach others, so that you would get the glory. Lord, show us how to glorify you when it doesn't appear to be all that great and even appears to be bad. Lord, help us to learn to discipline ourselves. To say thank you, God, even when it hurts. So, Lord, we're joined together in prayer tonight. We ask you to speak to us. And, Lord, if you don't want to speak to us, you're still God. Hallelujah. We're not worthy, but we are humbling ourselves and just telling you that we believe in you and we want to hear from you and give us the courage to act on it, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, well, you know, this, uh, what we've been learning as we've been toggling from Old Testament scriptures and prophecies uh, to Revelation and back and forth, we're learning that that a, a mystical or far future sense is actually not to be derived from these encounters of these figurative expressions and imagery that we've encountered in Revelation. And we've learned that we need to develop the sum of the passages when divested of metaphor and imagery so as to not produce a partial or a particular truth, but Rather, the general doctrine to be basically learned and gleaned from the whole. And what I've tried to do in this series here on kingdom dominion versus future dominion, a bird's eye look at Revelation, is to try to pull back out of the scriptures a little bit and the imagery and the figurative expressions and the mystical, you know, encounters and realize what's evident in Revelation. It's a doctrine that is inescapably the kingdom dominion, a kingdom of righteousness and holiness, of peace and happiness. It's supposed to bear the fruit of mutual benevolence among the created. And certainly among his people, the ecclesia, that is the called or the assembled in Christ Jesus. And it's clear that when we allow the text to define and interpret itself, we'll always find that the intended purpose of Yahweh has been a kingdom under his divine order for maximum happiness in the earth, which is his creation. Last week, when we had went back into Isaiah chapter 11 and Isaiah 13, that destructive day of the Lord in the days of Babylon's destruction that was prophesied, uh, we were told that the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give light, and that the sun would be darkened in its going forth, and the moon would not cause her light to shine. And all of that apocalyptic language was there to emphasize the magnitude and to underscore the manifest need 
for Yahweh to destroy and to punish the world, as the scripture says, for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity and to destroy the sinners out of it. And to your prayer, Russell, there it is. Praise God that he wants the sinners purged out of it. And that Babylon was the glory of kingdoms. And he said that that was going to be as when he overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's turn now as we continue in this study. And I don't know whether I can complete it in an hour and 15 minutes, but we'll go fast. Somebody turn to Isaiah 34. I'm going to go to Isaiah 24. So Isaiah 34 for somebody, Isaiah 24. Jeremiah, I'll give you the task of Jeremiah 49. Ezekiel 35 for somebody. And Malachi chapter 1. And if we have people to cover those, I'm going to go to... All right, I'm going to do 24 first. Isaiah chapter 24. I'm going to read 1 through 5. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste and turns it upside down and scatters abroad the inhabitants thereof. It shall be as with people, so with priests, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, as the curse devoured the earth, And they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. I'm going to end there now. Isaiah chapter 34, 1 to 5. Draw near, O nations, to hear and listen, O peoples. Let the earth and all it contains hear, and the world and all that springs from it. For the Lord's indignation is against all nations and his wrath against all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to slaughter. So their slain will be thrown out and their corpses will give off their stench and the mountains will be drenched with their blood and all the hosts of heaven will wear away and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll and all their hosts will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine or as one withers from the fig tree for my sword is satiated in heaven behold it shall descend for judgment upon edom and upon the people whom i have devoted to destruction the, right, sword, we'll the Lord is filled with blood. I couldn't stop before reading that one. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 49, 17 to 20. 
All right. Edom will become an object of horror. Everyone who passes by it will be appalled and will hiss at all its wounds. Like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah with its neighbors, says the Lord. No one will live there, nor will any of mankind reside in it. Behold, one will come up like a lion from the thicket of the Jordan to a perennially watered pasture. For in an instant I will chase him away from it, and I will appoint over it whoever is chosen. For who is like me, and who will summon me into court? And who then is the shepherd who can stand against me? Therefore hear the plan of the Lord which he has planned against Edom, and his purposes which he has in mind against the inhabitants of Timan. They will certainly drag them off, even the little ones of the flock. It will certainly make their pasture desolate because of them. The earth has quaked at the noise of their downfall. There is an outcry. The noise of it has been heard at the Red Sea. Behold, right, well, stop, he will mount stop up. There. Stop there again. Ezekiel 35 and 15. And I'll be there if no one else is yet at this time. Uh, then we're going to do Malachi chapter 1 and Obadiah chapter 1. I'll give you verses when you get there. So I'm at Ezekiel 35 and 15. As thou didst rejoice at the <clears throat> inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so will I do unto you, thou shalt be desolate, O Mount Seir, and all Idumea, even all of it, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, probably for context on Ezekiel 35, I should have, should have given a little bit more. It was a judgment against Mount Seir that uh, he gave unto Ezekiel here at chapter 35. And who's at Malachi? Anybody there yet? Um, if not, and Obadiah. All right, I'm at Malachi 1. And Obadiah 1, so somebody can grab Obadiah 1. We're going to do 8 and 10. But here's Malachi 1, 4 to 5. <clears throat> Basically, in the book of Malachi, we're talking about God's great love for Israel. And so here at uh, verse 4, whereas Edom says we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places, thus says Yahweh of hosts. They shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord has indignation forever. Your eyes shall see, and you shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. And Obadiah, anybody there at Obadiah 1, give us 8 to 10. I got it. Shall I not in that day, says Yahweh, even destroy the wise men out of Edom and the understanding out of the Mount of Esau? And thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off to slaughter. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee. 
and thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodst on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captives forces, and foreigners entered into his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou was one of them. There was Edom, just like the rest of them, casting their lots over Israel's destruction. And so prophet after prophet, scripture after scripture, is replete with Yahweh bringing nations, such as Edom and Ammon and Assyria and others, against his people in judgment in due time, bringing about those people's own destruction as well. We find ourselves asking the question, what does this futurist revelation doctrine require you to believe? Russell made a suggestion to me a couple of weeks ago and said maybe we need another 98 thesis with regards to the question about what the futurist revelation doctrine requires us to believe. And I thought it's a great idea. I haven't even begun to formulate one. But do the ecclesiastical leaders believe that all the literal hosts of heaven was dissolved, as we just read in these scriptures? Did the heavens literally roll up like a scroll? Do they believe that the heavens dissolved? So are these prophecies actually fulfilled or not? You see, because if they're not fulfilled, then we can make revelation into a futurist doctrine. But if they are fulfilled, then we have to ask the question, what does these futurist revelation doctrines require us to believe? And we should be, as was suggested, sitting down and asking those questions about that doctrine. You know, when you look at these prophecies and the language used, and we're having language against Babylon, language against Edom, languages against Assyria, and those that God destroyed of Israel's enemies after bringing destruction upon Israel himself by those same enemies. So what about? For example, Joel chapter 2, which we went into a couple of weeks ago, or Isaiah 13, which we were in again last week. If you interpret them in a literal sense, these prophecies can appear to remain totally unfulfilled and thus provide proof text for a futurist view and a theological doctrine of revelation. And so much has been interpreted by men rather than allowing the scripture itself to reveal the truth, every time it seems that men and ecclesiastical leaders interpret, they do so invariably in their own will, making the scripture fit the doctrine they profess. And how fitting of a prayer tonight, Russell. Let your word, you know, enter us. Rather than us determining what we want the doctrine to be, how many churches in the land, you know, can you safely say that there's 
there's been prayers where people ask the word to actually enter into them, enter into their pastor. We started out this series primarily in Matthew 24 to put us on a path of seeing the near future event that were conveyed by Christ as soon or shortly in that generation to come to pass. A near future kingdom and reign was to begin. And we had to understand Matthew 24 and the kingdom dominion message so that we could even get into Revelation and begin to potentially understand it from a bird's eye view or pulling back from the visions, the metaphors, and the allegories. But there's no there's no substitute for understanding the destruction that occurred in Jerusalem in 70 AD, from 67 to 70 AD. The church world is still naively trying to fulfill prophecy of Matthew 24, 14, of the gospel of the kingdom being proclaimed in all the world as they simply continue to go out to try to minister and do ministries all over the world. Turn to Romans chapter 10, verse 18. Let me interject right quickly, Doug, if you will allow it. Go. I'm sitting here, and as you're talking, I'm I'm saying we realize he's our only hope. And what a wonderful only hope to have. Hallelujah. Proceed, brother. Romans chapter 10. Well, where do we begin? Um, you know, Paul is conveying to those at Rome about Israel's rejection and then how he's trying to preach to a disobedient people. Well, let's start with 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So in other words, just as we've read in Isaiah, Isaiah is saying, Lord, who has heard our report? And that was in those days. Now, Paul is expressing to those Israelites in Rome What do we say? What do we say to you now, those that did not obey Isaiah? Who's believed the report? So faith, he says, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? That's a question. And then he answers the question. Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. If Paul understands that the sound of those prophets, including the Redeemer, 
have gone into all the world, and that sound went into all the world, and Paul and the rest of the apostles, the disciples of Christ, were preaching their gospel message, which simply means the good news. And what was that good news? The good news was the prophesied redeemer who was to redeem his people Israel had indeed come and had in fact redeemed his people. But I say, have they not heard? Yes. Verily their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? Question. But I say, did not Israel know? First, Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are not a people, and by a foolish nation I'll anger you. But Isaiah is very bold bold and said, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he says, all day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Well, that's like children, isn't it? Yeah. And the church world, naively, as children, are still trying to fulfill the prophecy of Matthew 24, 14. And that is, the gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed in all the world. So they go all over the world doing ministries. And nothing changes anywhere in the world. It's worse. Well, we hear about our we hear about our women being raped in foreign lands. Yeah, with impunity. Turn to Acts chapter two. And. This is the day of Pentecost, and what Luke writes of Peter's words here at the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, 19 and 20, even that stares them in the face. And he says right here at 19, he says, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord comes. Do we not believe this because our ecclesiastical leaders want us to believe the futurist view of Revelation? How about the prophecies of, of Mark chapter 13? Go ahead while I turn there. I was just going to say it requires responsibility if you are not, if you're looking out into that fast blue yonder you're going to behave one way as opposed to here and now buddy it's here and now that's exactly right and so when when we hear someone want to label something that we're trying to convey as a biblical truth as just being negative 
they misunderstand the point of the the expressions being made and essentially teaching them the word of God, which is we want nothing to do with this. They don't understand why Jeremiah was weeping. Exactly. This is not something that, that people of God are supposed to be a part of. The prophecies of Mark chapter 13, verse 10, and Matthew 28 and 19, they describe the power that was authorized to the apostles as Paul declared at Romans chapter 16. So if somebody still has a finger in Romans, we'll go back there. But in Romans 16, 25, and 6, I, I actually can pretty much, I've got most of the part of it in my notes. My gospel, he says, has been made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all nations. And when you look those words up in the Greek, it's ethnos. And that means the greater occupied region. Basically, all throughout the whole Roman Empire, which was the world superpower. So prophecies of Mark 13.10, here's 13.10, the gospel must first be published among all nations. The church world is still trying to publish the gospel message amongst all nations. But yet, chapter 13 of Mark begins with the signs of the end of the age. Go to Matthew 13, 5. Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying that I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled, for such things must need be. But the end shall not be yet. Nation rises against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes and diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of the sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to counsel. Who are they going to deliver up to councils? Is that far future? No. And in the synagogues you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers, kings and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. This is why the world, they claimed, was being turned upside down. Jesus said, you're going to be brought before these rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony against, against, against them. I am a testimony against. This system. And until people get this in their head, that they are to be a testimony against these systems, which are antithetical to God and his system, his will for the creation, his kingdom, dominion, mission to be accomplished in this earth, which he created to be inhabited, They can go into all the world doing whatever they want in the name of Jesus. 
and it won't matter. I'm in Mark. I'm going to turn over to chapter 16. Start with 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This happened. This happened when he gave that commission to those 11. Again, the gospel which you heard, which you preached to every... Now, why did I get feedback? Uh, hold on, everybody. Hold on, everybody. I'll see if I can figure out what happened here. Uh, how's that? Uh, how's that? That did not do anything. Did not do anything. How's that? That's weird. The microphone came on. It's weird, isn't it? That microphone came on for some reason. All right. <clears throat> but anyhow, from the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature, that is Greek, kittis, kittisis, K-I-T-I-S-I-S, And, and that's right there, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18. I've got a note here for Colossians 1 to... Um, Colossians 1.23. I think that's the same word there that Paul uses in a Colossians, if I remember right. And uh, verse 23 of Colossians chapter 1. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven you see there's no escaping this ladies and gentlemen there's just no escaping this this is the epistle of paul to the colossians and he tells them that when they continue in the faith those at colossa he says grounded and settled don't be moved away from the hope in the, of the gospel, which is the good news, which you heard, which was preached to every creature which is under seven, under heaven. So Paul is already telling us that this has already happened. So the apostle, 
Luke actually also records Jesus' words at Luke chapter 21. Mark, Luke chapter 21. I'm going there now. Luke chapter 21 and verses 20 to 22. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let them that are in the countries enter therein too. All right. So if this is the future vision in Revelation, which is far future, thousands of years future, nobody knows when, but yet he's talking about Jerusalem being surrounded by armies. Know that the, de- that the the desolation has come near. That's the very vision of Daniel 9, 26, and 7. Now, some will say in the ecclesiastical world, well, yes, of course, that we, we see that that is what that is. But that marks the end of the first testamental age, when the Messiah would be cut off So what purpose would it be for people to flee to the mountains if this book of Revelation is far future? See, they can't have it both ways. They want to toggle back and forth in it from far future to fulfilled prophecy. And remember that Jesus was not cut off for himself, but the scripture says that it would confirm the covenant with many that he would confirm the covenant with many for a week but in the midst of the week he would be cut off and the sacrifice and the oblation would be caused to cease that sacrifice was completed it was the ultimate sacrifice so in the words that we ought to be able to glean and understand is that when the disciples and others saw others at that time mind you see the desolating armies surrounding jerusalem they were to know that that desolation was drawing near and they were to flee to the mountains out of jerusalem because the destruction was then nigh Christ's mission was to lay down his life and to have it raised up again in in the process of that or the manifestation, meaning the result of it, he would redeem, buy back without money, a remnant of Jacob Israel and Judah and all who believed before the prophesied and impending destruction when all semblance of the old covenant that is greater judea jerusalem and the holy temple and the sacrifice and to those after who saw it would yet believe also the first testament prophets were sent to warn the israelites of their wayward ways and a period of grace was granted for them to heed the warnings and repent and then there was a pronouncement of judgment in finality its execution 
whether captivity, bondage, or destruction, just as Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and all the minor prophets attested. In Revelation, where we see the white horse, Jesus riding on the white horse, is the formidable warrior king of Habakkuk 3, 9, 11. He is there to avenge the blood of the lamb and the martyrs and his disciples. Flip back to Matthew from where we are in Mark here. Let's go to Matthew 23 and reacclimate ourselves to something that's very important. Matthew 23, and let's begin at uh, Woe unto you, scribes, we'll begin at 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like a white sepulcher, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, garnish the sepulchers of the righteous, and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, you are witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? Therefore, wherefore I should say, behold, I send unto you, your, unto you prophets, wise men, scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify. Some of them shall you scourge in your synagogues and per- persecute them from city to city, that upon you, that upon you, that upon you, those who Christ is speaking to at that time, that upon you may come all the righteous bloodshed upon the earth from the right, the blood of righteous Abel under the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killed the prophets and stoned them which are sent unto thee, how often would have I gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see thenceforth, you shall not see me henceforth, till you say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of Yahweh. That generation was to be responsible for that blood, he says, telling you how all of that bloodshed from Abel to Zacharias, including those that they were going to kill after, that generation, that generation, who those in that generation were going to kill, that's who that bloodshed was going to be upon, was upon their heads. 
So when you think of these disciples that are animated in exhorting brethren to be aware of Christ, where Paul in his epistles and Peter in the uh, book of Acts and his epistles and James in his epistles, when you have these exhorting the brethren to be aware of Christ's second coming or return, if it wasn't anticipated in their mind of being very soon, why would they do that? And the answer can only be they did so because Jesus said it would. And so they believed it. If Christ was not to return for some future return that the futurist revelationers want us to believe, how is Abel's blood avenged on that their generation yet that Christ was speaking to? And not only that, you remember in Revelation 2, 10, and 13, and 6, 9, and 11, 7 to 10, and 13, 15, and 17, 16, and 18 and 20, which we didn't go over, Jesus conveyed in that revelation to John of the vindication of those martyrs. Christians, theologians, and ecclesiastical leaders, they simply can't disregard the clear time statements of Matthew 24 and Revelation, which we've clearly identified already, only to also disregard the implication of the cries of them that cried and whom were slain, in which Christ said, he comforted, I should say, them by telling them to rest yet a little season. And he was going to vindicate their blood. That phrase, little season, never meant thousands of years in the future. He was going to avenge their blood, just as we read in Matthew 23. It would be avenged. Judgment was coming upon Judah, and Jesus explicitly stated immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun would be darkened, the moon would not give her light, the stars would fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens would be shaken, and then would appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Matthew 24, 29 to 35. Also, Prophesied in Zephaniah 1, 14, 16, Amos 5, 18 to 20, and Joel 2, 31. Zephaniah 1, 14, 16 again, Amos 5, 18 and 20, Joel 2 and 31. Revelation chapter 6 through Revelation chapter 11, therefore, from the bird's eye view is imagery of earth and heaven being moved and shaken for the second coming of Jesus, the Messiah and King, to render judgment upon the unfaithful servant Judah and her kingdom dominion, the vindication of those martyred for confessing this king 
and Redeemer, Jesus. And the judgment of the quick, meaning the alive and the dead, exactly as Paul told the Thessalonians that the dead in Christ would rise first, then we, then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 17. Now, Paul obviously was not anticipating that he was going to be crucified because he was a Roman citizen, but they did away with his head anyway. And although some would die, including Paul himself, as I mentioned, Christ said that not a hair of their head would be lost. Luke chapter 21, verses 18 to 20. And Paul knew also this truth, as he exhorted all of them by epistle to be faithful and patient in their persecutions. Judah's old covenant apostasy had become a destroying mountain against Old Covenant Israel, part of the very elect of God. Remember the words of Isaiah 11. We've gone over that, I think, in two of these past fellowships. All of Jesus' parabolic utterances recorded in the Gospels, such as those recorded in Matthew chapters 21 to 25, Go back and review them again. They're expressing the coming end of the old covenant, Judah's reigning dominion, and they are immediately relevant to do with Judah's judgment upon people, priest, city, and land. And temple, I might add. It was taken away from apostate Judah, and the king of kings reclaimed it by birthright as a kinsman redeemer, and he established all things new. A new king, a new dominion, a new Jerusalem, a new temple, where there was one sacrifice for all time, a new heaven, and thus a new earth. And remember, the temple was not a Solomon's temple. The temple was Christ. So if revelation is far future or to be interpreted as an earth-ending cosmic catastrophe, why does the revelation declare that the tabernacle of God is with men? As we read in 21 verse 3 of Revelation, You can't tell me that because it's futuristic. It's future millennial reign, Doug. No, that's interpretation. It's not scriptural. As it actually denies the fulfilled work of Christ to once again be a God to his people and they be a people to God, and thus he's now tabernacling with them again. Let's flip back to Revelation chapter 21, which we were in a couple of weeks ago. I got it. 
want me to read it? Yeah, read um, read chapter uh, verse four of twenty one. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death, and there shall no longer be any mourning, or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. All right, now I'm going to flip us back to chapter 7 and verse 17. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, I want you to flip back to chapter 25 of Isaiah. I had this one with a little magnet uh, bookmark. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but I've had this one marked for the longest time in my Bible, and I refused to take it out of there. And uh, chapter 25, verse 6, And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wine on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well refined. He will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off of all the earth. For the Lord has spoken it, and it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God, we have waited for him. He will save us. This is Yahweh. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is right after, in fact, verse 20, chapter 24 that we read earlier where we're talking about an empty earth. The only one who swallowed up death in victory is the Christ. So this prophecy pertains to him. And after this swallowing up of death, being raised from the dead, we are told that the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all of the earth. See, the rebuke of Jacob Israel is taken away. The tears of their separation even the killing of their heir and Messiah brings no more sorrow or death or crying, neither any more pain. The former things are passed away. Chapter 21, again, Revelation, verse 5. Russell, if you're still there, give it to us. Well, I'm not still there. I know. I made you go elsewhere, didn't I? I got it 21.5. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Behold, I make all things new. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. We have a selfless act of grace, mercy, and enduring love. Yahweh, in the person of his only begotten Son, to whom all power and authority was given, 
not only gave his life, but the manifestation of it was to redeem without money his people from the sure and certain death that was warranted and do them. And John, you know, thinking about that, no greater love, the scripture says, than to lay down one's life for his friends. John 15, 13 to 16. Let's go there. I think I shouldn't just gloss over that. John chapter 13, verses 15 to 16, and here we go. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you a comforter. A comforter. I'm in 14, sorry. I flipped back one page. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he shall give it to you. Where are you? These things have I commanded you that you love one another. Well, I guess that still wasn't the one that, yeah, I'm sorry, I was supposed to start at 13. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I wrote that scripture down as 15, but it was 13 to 16. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. There you are. So here, John sees in all of this allegoric imagery, there is a new heaven, a new earth, the sea, so reminiscent of their inability to go farther, save for the parting of it, is no more. It has been parted for them to again pass on foot away from the impending judgment and destruction, as he said unto them at 21 Revelation 6. Look back to Revelation chapter 21. And this is what he said at 21.6. He said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. It's almost worth reading all of it, isn't it? You need to read eight. Yeah, I was going to say, but the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Wow. Here we have. Let's continue. And they carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even a jasper stone, clear as crystal. 
It had a wall great and high and had 12 gates. And at the, 12, at the gates, 12 angels. And the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Here we have the bride, the Lamb's wife, depicted as the great and holy city, Jerusalem. Twelve gates, twelve angels, twelve names, which are the twelve tribes of Israel. The wall, a foundation. And in the foundation, what is the foundation? The foundation is the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Who? Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Jude, Simon, Matthias, all of whom are indeed the foundation of the bride, the Lamb's wife. And these are they who went into all the world to bring the good news, the gospel of the risen king over all Israel, the house of Israel, and the house of Judah but not the abominable. Scripture goes on to talk about 12 foundations garnished with all manner of precious stones, 12 in all, 12 pearls for each gate, Revelation 21, 21. Verse 22, John sees no temple. We got to go there. And I saw, 21, 22 of Revelation, and I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. John sees that there's no temple, but the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of that great city. Who, who, who is the city then? If God came to redeem his people and as a lamb for the sacrifice, redeem them without money, Israel's that city. The nations which are saved by that light, they're the ones that have confessed Jesus as the Messiah and Redeemer, and they come into that city. They come into that righteousness. And it doesn't need to shut its gates. And it brings the honor and glory of the nations to it. We've got right here recorded the identity of the Lamb's wife, and she's Israel, depicted as the New Jerusalem, a great and holy city. And when we, that is Christ's sons, the Christians, Christian nations, do contrary to his will, Nothing, and I do mean nothing, crucifies the king of glory again and again 
other than that and more than us. It tarnishes his name among the heathen and the heathen nations. Now, in this series of fellowships on kingdom dominion now or future, we've clearly identified the king's dominion has a first heaven and a first earth, but has established a new heaven and a new earth where a heavenly kingdom, a new Jerusalem, a heavenly or holy Jerusalem, the Lamb's wife, have synonymous meanings and are all in existence now, not some far future dominion. We've confirmed it by the word of God, by his prophets, by his son, through his revelation to John. Go back to Deuteronomy 32, 35 to 43, Isaiah chapters 1 to 5 and 9 to 11, 24 to 30. And as I said, go reread Isaiah again. In light of what we've done in these past several weeks, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will find yourself asking the question, what does the futurist doctrine of revelation require me to believe and you will begin to formulate questions yourself and if we come to the point that we're going to put together something like that email them i'll add them to the list of mine or however you want to and we'll just attach it to these archives in the future but Revelation is the publication, the warning, and the day of wrath that Revelation 6.17 denotes, and that Luke and the Gospels recorded was coming upon this generation. The second coming of the King of Kings, the vindicator of his and his apostles and prophets' blood, the apocalyptic imagery, the judgment of the quick, meaning the alive and the dead, are the essence of Revelations chapter 6 to 11. And it's recapitulated in Revelation 20 and 21. And that's why we went right to Revelation 21 to confirm the establishment of the king's dominion and rule, and that it that is the judgment, would indeed end the old covenant Judahite scepter rule until and only because the lion of the tribe of Judah reclaimed and redeemed the scepter. The whole revelation, contrary to popular propaganda and belief, is not a depiction of souls being whisked to heaven, but with New Jerusalem, that is, the bride of Christ, 
adorned for her husband, who is coming down from heaven unto the new earth, that the dwelling of God is once again with his people. This is the historical biblical record. And would to God that his people would read and experience this great mystery and love story of the ages. And in reading, they would then understand when we are rescued from the error of our impudence and a rather old but refreshing new view of the Christian's mission, rather than saving souls from this world to go to heaven, they would again recognize the actual mission to bring these souls into the prosperity of God's kingdom and thus making it a light yoke. But no, the church world has cast the world's yoke on these souls and then they marvel that they reject this King Jesus all the more and then apply no energy or duty to his creation. It's all future. Jesus will justify me in the end because, after all, he knows his creation is unjust. The scriptural record continues to turn that worldview upside down. That biblical record promises that when the heavenly life is on the earth, the oppressed will be relieved. Love of one another abounds. The Spirit of God indwells in them, and restoration of abundant life is renewed. And the world cannot have that. They want you believing in them. That they are going to be your savior and your salvation. And they put their burdens upon us. And until the Christian says, we will have no more of your yoke and no more of your burden. And we will have his yoke and his burden. They will not have life and have it abundantly. Somebody tell me where I'm going wrong. Do where you're going wrong, I'd let you know. That is the that is the biblical record from beginning to end, isn't it, Russell? You've read this book. It appears to be the truth. Do you think it would play on Broadway? 
it has to play on Broadway. I'll see how tricky. If it can't play on Broadway, it, it can't play on Broadway because broad is the way that leads to destruction. Yeah. It it will play on narrow way. Yeah, remnant way. It's got to play because. You wade through all this stuff and you just keep wading through it till you hear the truth. And and now now revelation and and I'm telling you this has been bothering me for for years. And as I said when I began this series with you guys, I didn't know if I could really convey it in a way but all I could do was convey it the way it happened for me and the way it happened for me is in light of the entire Israelite identity and I tell you as we got into that Hosea series through the whole prophet of Hosea I began to be more and more convinced that revelation was the key to all of us who'd understood this biblical identity of Jacob Israel and the redemption and that it was it was it was the profound capstone if you will because there was nothing in the prophecies that told us um more about that end of the age how was that going to end we knew his death burial and resurrection was part of that taking away that part of the law that bound them to the to her husband but there was still nothing that told me about her judgment and her impending calamity like revelation did and that's when it began to open up to me that I got to get out of this imagery and everything that has got me in this quagmire and this futurist view that everybody had taught for decades a couple of centuries since the book has been you know in printed form for mankind well yeah yeah, and we realized the late great planet Earth and Hal Lindsey and all the rest of them were just making a buck off of it, weren't they? They certainly were. And 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 not just him, the multitudes of books that have been written about the revelation. Now, before I get anybody that wants to misinterpret anything that what I what we've gone through and, and what I've conveyed do not misunderstand I look at all of those prophecies about Edom Ammon Assyria Babylon Israel and Judah as all fully being capable of being repeated anytime it becomes so necessary 
So I do not look at Revelation and say, well, that cannot happen again. (laughs) No, 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 I won't be found saying that. Because when God says that he'll make Babylon as Sodom and Gomorrah and going to make Judah as Babylon, I know that he's perfectly within his, his right to repeat any of this at any time. So it's in our best interest to get it right, to turn it around and turn it back to God. And until it's, you know, you think about the kings who God in his word records that they did right in his sight, but they did not tear down the high places and other things that they did not do. But yet, he has left those recorded for us as monuments, so to speak, that even if we don't get it perfect, he's pretty well sometimes okay with just being right with him. Even when we leave some of the old stuff still standing and hanging around. But praise the Lord, the Georgia Guidestone got its decimation. Amen. How many years ago we pray against that? Rich, Russell, you were probably on one of those solutions broadcasts when we did that. I hope. Yeah, it just came into being, into fruition, and it is gone now, isn't it? It is. And I sent you both that documentary about that, and there's no reason perhaps to discount much of the information that was that was in that documentary, I don't think. But, um, you know, I, I find it, just another one of these examples where the lower ranks of the Freemasons and so forth are all believe that they're in it for Christian reasons or that it's a group of Christian people. And and once again, we have people that are misguided in these groups and in these organizations. And, um, and then they extol these virtues of these one-worlder types and so forth and print that on the monument and and then basically you know say well gee it was actually a christian that actually you know did that and uh it's the ultimate affront uh again to christianity is to use it to tarnish christianity and um it's just uh it's probably one of the most detailed documentaries on it that I'd ever seen, even at the time when we did the solutions broadcast on it and and prayed against that 
uh, Georgia Guidestone probably a decade ago now or thereabouts, um, in his own time, God has seen fit and inspired somebody um, to go ahead and and do something to it. And so that individual I'd like to lift in prayer. So Heavenly Father, I'm going to do that. I know not the individual or the people involved in seeing to it that the years that that monument stood on these acres of your land that you gave to your people, that you carried them on the wings of the Philistine westward, as your scripture foretells. Father, I pray for his protection or her protection or their protection. Because we know the evildoers love to persecute those that are yours and those that seek to do your will and want to destroy wickedness out of the land. So, Father, we pray for all those who are working to do and to destroy the wickedness in the land. Give us strength, courage, and give us the right tools at the right time to carry out your will in the creation. We ask it in the blessed holy name of your Son, Jesus, and we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Good night, all. Amen. All righty. Night, all. Thanks for joining. I hope it helps. And we've got to figure something out for the upcoming weeks because that's it for a revelation, a bird's eye view. Good night, all. Good night. Good night.